Welcome to What Bubbles Up. Pop open your mind and a cold one and get creative with your hosts, Bill and Barry. What bubbles up? What's poppin' everybody and welcome to episode six of this season of What Bubbles Up? Woohoo! A show yeah. about ideas. <laughs> Where do they come from and how do you know when they're truly great? Yes. Oh man, the the intertwined careers of the three people here on yes. this conversation today goes back eons. Yes. Uh and has many uh interconnected stops along the way. We're we're looking forward to this one, an old colleague and also yeah. a current colleague. Uh, but before we get into it, the all-important question at hand, Barry, is what are you drinking? Well, it's a warm Friday afternoon up here in Boston. I uh, I cut the grass the other day. It sort of smells like fresh cut grass. So I, I went into the fridge and I got a fresh pick IPA, mainly because it has a lawnmower right oh, there nice. on the front. Yeah, this is from Fort Hill Brewery and okay. and or 1776 Brewery. I'm not sure, but basically right here in East Hampton, Mass. Yeah. Let me crack this one open. Oh, that'll be good. Ooh, nice. Wow, oh, a little foamy. Oh, boy. Uh-oh. Yeah. All right, what a are you part, drinking, Phil? A party foul at minute one. Well, yep. that's okay. That's that's the start of a good chat. Well, yeah, hot. Very hot, indeed, here in the <laughs> nation's capital. Yes. Um, so hot, one might say it's downright tropical. And hence ah. my beer selection. Yeah? Huh? Good. Uh, uh. Uh, hence my, my beer selection. It's the Hoptropolis from New Realm Brewing Company, Virginia Beach, I believe. Excellent. Uh, it is a tropical IPA with a juicy hop bliss. It's got some notes of like stone fruit. It's got like pineapple and 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 stuff like that in it. Uh, only six point five percent. So this will go down nice and smooth. Let's crack it open and see what happens. Oh yeah. Ooh, oh, that was a good one. one. Ooh, All right. Oh. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Fresh. See, I don't know what it is. You and I apparently shook all the beer cans before we yeah. came on air. Not we ran excitedly to the desk so we could have this wonderful <laughs> conversation with yes. our old friend. Yes. And the global chief strategy officer at Wong Duty. Yep. Currently my employer as well. Yep. Todd Rathbone. Todd, welcome to What Bubbles Up. How are you doing on this warm Friday afternoon? Thanks, you both. Uh, doing excellent here in Hell's Kitchen, New York. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I have chosen for my beverage, since we yes. are fully into pride, yeah. the lovely New ah! Rainbow from Omegon Brewery, a classic New England IPA. Excellent. And of course, we in New York can't wait on anybody. So I've already cracked this. <laughs> Good. <laughs> That's, That's okay. All right. That's why special effects were invented, Todd, right there, just so we can handle that. I can well, fix there you it go. in post. Fix Get the Foley artist. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. There you go. That's <laughs> well, how that, that works. Well, Todd, it is great to see you. It is great to see you. This is exciting that, to be talking with you. Great to see you both. And love to be reunited with... Uh, uh, all, all you folks, you can play that song if you can get the rights. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> thirty uh, seconds the... and le- or less. Uh, no, uh, no money paid. Yeah, yeah. So, no. um, awesome. Thank you again for for being with us. And uh, My pleasure. Lots, lots to talk about. We kind of, you know, if you want to give our listeners just a little bit of a, well, two things. One, uh, how did you get here? But more importantly, what would you say you do? What is a chief strategy officer? And then we'll talk about how complicated it gets with technology. Yep. Okay. So how I got here, I've had a, I've had a two-part career. I've had a, uh, an initial career in advertising, working as an account guy, 
um, until 99 when I mm -hmm. hit an inflection point, which was um, things are going to change mightily and you can, you can keep doing what you're doing and sort of be on the back end of where things are going. Um, or you can kind of ride the bumpy front end and mm -hmm. not know exactly where they're going, but they sure seem interesting. And so then I became a, um, you know, working entirely within the digital sector of our business as a strategist. And, you know, so the things I've learned, I've learned from some of the greats who I knew early on and happily stole from them folks like John Steele at Goodby and, you know, other, other planners, but also then it was a lot of like, how do you build a practice around a lot of stuff that nobody would ever done before, which is actually great training for what a strategist is because in the digital space, you're constantly explaining not only the basics of what everybody knows to do in terms of marketing, not everything that people think they know about human behavior, but the ever-changing nature of, uh, yeah, that thing we thought we were doing on Friday, uh, there was a new release of a new technology and um, we changed our recommendation literally for you on Monday. That actually happened to me uh, with the change from Flash to HTML5. Oh we yeah, really had, yeah. I, I <laughs> it was a literally it well. Friday, Friday, Monday, guess what? Mm -hmm. um, so <laughs> yeah. In the current world, you can imagine um, platforms, capabilities, enablements. It's a constant sense of like, you know, how do we how do we stay on point? Because in the end, you're still trying to drive the things they teach in MBA school. How are we going to make revenue? How are we going to get people to take action? How are we going to get better penetration or, or compete with, uh, you know? others in our category. Um, you know, we're finding ourselves out of date. How do we, you know, change the business model? Um, it's now become incredibly four-dimensional in terms of the nature of the way people interact with you, the way they understand your brand or company, the way that they have these inflection points. So the idea of strategy is both to understand that but then not to overcomplicate it. Yeah. Is yeah. Is, please, can you give us a sense of a guiding idea, a way to break it down, a roadmap to something we can actually do, a way I can sell my boss where he actually understands and he's got no time or interest in knowing any of this. Um, how do you rationalize investment? Um, so a lot, and then, you know, some of the more subjective issues, which is people are chaotic. Yeah, and systems. We are always selling systems as if people are somehow not involved. In yeah, basically. yeah, yeah. But uh, mm -hmm. you know, you're always trying to design for resilience and and sort of um, that they're going to have some way of working even when humans behave. Yeah, the yeah. way that they do. Right. Yeah. And Let's... I I sometimes say at the end, strategy is you walk into the room and you tell people how you're going to save the world, and on off uh, on an off day. You actually spend your time time trying to think of like literally how can we save the world? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Think we'll small talk... in order to think big. Yeah, yeah. Talk about that because what's what's and maybe it's just like recency bias, but I sort of feel like I bump into like two situations all the time. And you tell me if this is true for you. Like I bump into a whole bunch of situations where I feel like. Um, Clients want to talk to us and sort of like, we need strategy, we need thinking on this, we need, and, and they, they they want to engage in almost like an endless cycle of sort of like deep think strategy. And yep. I'm like, when are we actually going to start to 
try some things and sort of see some things. It, it's almost like they can't sort of shift out of the the deep think mode. And then the other thing that I see sometimes, which is equally frustrating, is no, no, no. I don't. Want, I just want to. We just need to make this thing. I don't want it ever. Do you know? Do you know what I'm saying? It's almost like yeah, we don't I want do. discovery. We don't want. It's it's like there there is there's like a camp of folks, both of whom really need kind of to sort of like have some guidance to figure out how to think strategically about how to solve problems. And in one camp, they just want to make the thing that like, can't we just treat this like a task? Can I skip over the strategy? And we inevitably end up having to kind of do it in the middle or there's the other group that just never gets, can't progress beyond the deck. Like how do you deal with both of those? Okay. I, (laughs) I tell my team and I tell like the rest of the people, I've only seen two modes at work in any given meeting. Mm. It's either ambition or fear. Mm-hmm. Mm. One is driving. So you either, and you have to figure out which one it is. Yeah. Now, in the absence of both of those, I think you end up with client situation number one, which is that you have no imperative to actually do anything. So then I'm going to have to take a more, you know, challenging and difficult conversation, which is what is your actual intention and objective? Tell me what it is so that I can now guide you to it. If you want to ramble and circle around it, I'm going to then enforce to you the fact that we're not actually driving towards the objective. And I have to ask you, is that a real objective? Yeah. yeah. I've also noticed that when I run into things like that, I tend to find people who are not actually authorized or committed to something they are they are fishing. Yeah. And so then it's then it's also the political issue of, do we just pull the chain on this and say, look, when you're ready, come back to us and 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 we can we can do more, we can do better for you. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. But the tools that you would use in that situation are to be as cutthroat about focus and you know, a workshop where you say, literally, I'm gonna expose you. You're not saying that to them, but you're gonna reveal the fact that if nothing's known, then you're like, you guys have work to do, here's your homework. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Go mm. away. And when you come back, we can now actually start. Yeah. yeah. Um, or you finally get some consensus and you say, okay, so what you're saying is literally that you don't know what to do, but you don't know how to get it sold, or you don't know how to get people on board, or you don't yeah. know how to talk to people about it. Okay, we can solve that, but that's a different problem. But anything to get it into a space where it's like, okay, now we're on to a thing. I can give you a price, I can give you a set of tasks i can give you a period of time that that would occur i find sometimes also clients get into over their skis in terms of what you would say is like the intimidation around too much yeah yeah classically what we've done is long term short term if you keep vacillating between the two and you and it keeps you from moving ahead then i have to sort of bifurcate your thinking into like it's two different things yeah trying to make them be the same thing. So mm-hmm. how can I help you feel like we're both addressing one and the other so that you don't feel anxious that somehow we're not paying attention or you keep confusing them? Yeah. Right? The other uh, task one where they literally want to be the taskmaster, I agree with you, that's never that's never anything where it works out well. The other one I hate is, uh, yeah, we want you to throw that in and do that part for free because we feel that's your that's your expression of commitment or, Mm. you know, 
uh, you're going to get paid so much for what ultimately we're going to do that I would think you'd want to do that. Um, that's something I'm always trying to deal with too, that yeah. that is actually worth paying for. Well, <laughs> something that we have a little, a little bit of recency bias there ourselves, yeah. I think. But um, if I, if I may, in the, in the practice of design thinking, just yes. Yeah. And that, uh, which is, uh, first of all, I love that fear versus ambition. So let me add what I what may be the missing factor here, which is accountability. And so, if I were to build a formula, maybe I'll play this out with you, see if you agree. The formula is accountability equals uh, uh, ambition plus fear to the power of money. What do you think? Does that work? Is that something? I find that most people, unfortunately, don't have both qualities. Mm. They are so consumed by we're all going to die or like I could get promoted. Like it's, yeah, it's right. hard to find people who share the mm. two. Mm. That's a good um, point. So I, I find it pretty much uh, it's a separating aspect. Um, it doesn't mean they can't change and become yeah. art, but they so what, typically don't live in the same head at the same time. I like the fear and ambition thing. Like what? In, in sort of the strategy of managing your career, like which, which one was driving the bus when you switched from advertising into sort of the world of digital back in like the late 90s? Was it a fear-based choice that kind of drove you out of agency into sort of like digital and strategy? Or was it an ambition thing for you, if you look back and reflect? It was absolutely an ambition thing because I looked at where I was going and I was frankly at the top of the game. I had worked yeah. at I had worked at Footcone and Goodby and BBDO and Shiat. Yeah. There wasn't like, oh my God. And had one Cleo's and worked on Apple and worked on, you know, all these things where it was like, okay, where's it going to go from here? And it ended mm -hmm. up being a lot of management future, financial management future, difficult holding company politics future. And I'm like, that's not really what I'm come out, cut out do and a lot of the people i saw ahead of me were people i was like i don't i don't know if i want to be that yeah and they loved it they were like this is the game yeah and so for me i had always also worked on a lot of accounts that involved some aspect of culture and technology mm -hmm. yeah. so the yeah. idea was like that's really like wouldn't it be awesome to get on that train here where it's early and who cares if there are no rules. In fact, I love that there were no rules and like, let's do that. Cause like you, you kind of done a great chapter. Like you, I don't know how you're going to beat it. Yeah. Let's uh, that's uh, always fascinating that the, a lot of the people that we talk to have what they sometimes describe as either a crisis of conscience or some sort of aha moment, or just the rug is pulled out from under them. They don't have mm -hmm. a choice, but, to, but, but to pivot, there's always some, you called it an inflection point, which is technology plus culture. Let's talk about that because I think there's so much happening yeah. right now that's so interesting. So clearly, strategy is about planning, right? Yeah. And what to yeah. do with what you got. Yeah. Everyone now thinks that AI itself is the strategy. So what is a strategist's role? I I, I I'm going to cue you up here. You're uh, just like lobbing them big softballs to smash. Is, you guys like rehearse these thing, questions yeah. before. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Yeah. Well, if I want to be the modern strategist, right, what I do is I could say, you can sign up to my six 
you know, Patreons that I'll tell you the secret <laughs> right. to like Which you whatever. only have to pay for a nominal no. fee. Yeah. Just for a nominal, I would monetize myself. Damn yeah. it. That's yeah. why our strategy seems to be going. That's right. Exactly. My line of my line of sponsored products. Mm-hmm. Um, Merch. <laughs> so I would say with metaverse, cryptocurrency, web three, now AI, it's been a, a series of trying to be an ambassador, a translator, uh, uh, someone who can guide you in towards uh, towards topics where it's like, why should you care? Where can you gain advantage? At this stage, a lot of the conversations always start off with that at this point in its development, at this point where we're at, what's your obligation? What should you be doing as a major automotive brand or as a major yep. like yep. whatever? So I always try and gate it of like, stop thinking about the like, what if, and let's talk about what is. Mm. And then we can have a very tangible conversation around, is there anything around this right now that is immediately applicable? You can take advantage of it. It would it would say something about you, even if it's meaning as a channel or a piece of content or a technology is like somewhat meaningless in the beginning. Also, how are you going to train yourself and your organization for something that seems somewhat inevitable? Yep. You're yep. at this point, like you either start now and start to like familiarize, not let it seem foreign, not let it seem scary and start to work it into like, so where would this fit? And then the issue is don't get over your skis. If you're in a high risk brand, mm-hmm. don't, you know, don't go crazy and think like, okay, now we're, we're going to, cut like entire departments and turn it out. No, no one's doing that yet. Yeah. Yeah. I do think though, I mean, it's, it's, I love your notion of strategy can kind of be a translator a little bit for both internal teams and then for clients about how to think about new technologies. But I, yeah, I, I, my POV is been that a lot of web three and blockchain and cryptocurrency and a lot of these things, I think we're really, really innovative technologies, but essentially a lot of the things that I've seen that are powerful about them have been that they've accelerated things that were kind of already there, right? It's sort of like really accelerated a lot of this good behavior. I do think that um, generative AI is potentially a shift that's as big as the shift that you saw coming in 99. And this one does feel fundamentally different. And I do think that the three of us are all going to kind of face our fear versus ambition moment. Maybe mm-hmm. we already are right now. I I think that this is a huge shift that's about to hit us that's waves bigger than some of the um, really, really awesome and interesting opportunities that some of Web3 technology kind of like brings about. So like talk a little bit more about how you are advising as a strategist mm-hmm. clients for how to kind of think about generative AI in their business and their own teams, and how you're kind of thinking about that, even within your own business over there at Wang Duty. So the way I've tried to take it on, again, at this point, is that it is as at best in its early form an accelerant. Mm-hmm. It is a way to move a lot of things iteratively faster than you could possibly do. Mm-hmm. The idea of doing a rough cut, the idea of writing a rough draft, the idea of iterating 10 different versions of a concept before you feel like you have an idea which one you want. The idea that you could get that sort of human creative process aspect of like, it takes a lot of crap to get to good. 
You mm. have to work through it. So how do you start to build in more of that ability to get to stuff? I've seen cinema photographers basically pre-shoot all the, you know, sort of key frames that they want to get in, you know, mid-journey or dolly. And then, you know, conceptually, they have some idea of like focal length lighting, you know, how they're going to do it, where, you know, you used to have a storyboard artist, you had to try and, right. you know, tell someone, this is what I see. So initially, it's a lot of integrated into a process of how does this, how does this become an accelerant? How do you get good at, at you know, it's a tool that can generate a lot of things that you want to see if you can get if you can get good at. Mm -hmm. Interestingly, I saw WPP today announce that they're doing, you know, a major sponsorship with NVIDIA. Yeah, the NVIDIA thing. Mm -hmm. The world's yeah. largest ad agency. I know. Yeah. I saw the headline. You know, mm -hmm. that that kind of stuff is the stuff you're going to see where it's like, you guys don't even know what that means yet. You no. don't even know what it is. Every copywriter, art director, creative director, project manager is like, oh, Lord, yeah. they went and did something <laughs> <laughs> and they went and told the world they yeah. didn't tell us. Yeah. And now we're supposed to do what? Um, so, again, I think it's a point where it's going to be a lot of trial and error and a lot of trying to build it into a sense of, you know, tool-based progress. And then where it gets, I think where it gets weird is when, you know, it actually starts producing things you don't expect or sophisticated at a level where it can actually produce more more output like mm -hmm. yep. camera stuff and you yep. know color aspects and you know I, I mean i'm looking at all the um, constant fidgeting and editing that normally goes on that's very expensive and now it's cheap yeah one of the things i worry about is the fact that no one's ever going to decide anything you could iterate to death yeah right. Well, yeah. you know, I, there there was a we had uh, a very fair and valid point. Uh, we've had folks on the show on both sides of this fence, right? Yeah, we had uh, Adam mm -hmm. Morse on, who's you know another former colleague, very much bought in. In fact, starting up and running a fairly su successful company, all about generative AI, and we had yeah. other folks who you know <clears throat> uh, could uh, couldn't care less about it. Here's the thing, right? A computer doesn't have taste, uh, and we'll still we'll still have the ability to influence via taste. We so the decision makers still have to be us. Maybe they'll invent a taste bot. I don't know, but <laughs> but until yeah. that time, you know we're 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 going to be in experimentation mode, which means you got to try it in order to know if you hate it or love it. Um, but you know it's supposed to speed up the stuff that took forever and, and, and a lot of money exactly which led which leads me to this phrase that uh of yours that i may end up stealing um that i want you to talk to us about which is the phrase the tyranny of enablement right and mm -hmm. uh I, I feel like it's appropriate uh to to dovetail into that based on this generative ai discussion what does that phrase mean why is it a trap? Why is it something we can overcome? Well, it, it it speaks to the nature of what I think all three of us are dealing with a lot of. Um, unfortunately, it will keep us hardly employed for many more years, which is given there are, are um, 
you know, esteemed careers and the <laughs> fact that we were there in the beginning, uh, we have seen the, the, the massive accumulation of technology in the corporate enterprise environment. Yeah. Okay. So, and I don't care what business, manufacturing, retail, uh, you know, it doesn't matter. And so every aspect of ERP platform, uh, you know, delivery platforms, MarTech platforms, yeah. uh, you know, all the logistical and supply platforms. Uh, you're talking 25 years of, of accumulation, maybe older into legacy systems. I figure most legacy systems are gone. So hmm. you're at least into servers and cloud, but like 20 years of massive accumulation and more and more what I'm seeing with clients and as an outcome, the reason why so many agencies and consultancies have had to become so large and amass so many skill sets is the problems are too damn big. Yeah. You know, the problems are too damn complex. Yeah. The, the <clears throat> thing that you want, productivity, you know, client, you know, uh, clients, partners, uh, employees, uh, feeling satisfied that they can do the work that they need to do. Yeah. Um, is not happening. And so, when when they come to you know my company it's like we know we need a, a transformational change but usually that ends up with a platform company or a technology company wanting to sell me yet another thing that if i add it on it'll solve all the other things and it's like that never happens no nope. so it ends up being frankly a lot of strategy and a lot of uh tech and design trying to figure out okay, how do we synthesize these heterogeneous environments, reduce complexity and reduce, you know, what actually occurs? I, there's at least three projects I'm working on right now that have that base understanding, even though the nature of the actual thing they want to accomplish is different for what its business purpose is. But the same issue is there that I need you to simplify this, this towering babble that I have yeah. and make yeah. it work. Mm -hmm. And so what do you end up doing? You end up finding ways to connect. You end up finding ways to, to drive different service layers, different behavior aspects. You end up creating service design blueprints around like, how does this have to work? Um, and trying to make it not, you know, run ragged over all the people who are supposed to use it. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me think a little bit about, um, I feel like there's a video that's like flying around of like Jeff Bezos basically sort of like talking about this. Like there's so much change that's kind of happening out there right now, new yeah. technology and then generative AI is here. And then what are we doing with blockchain and blah, blah, blah. But he's like, you can't plan a business around that. What you can plan a business no. around is what stays the same. So, I mean, maybe that's an interesting thing because I think like what you're talking about with strategy is like the role of a strategist is actually around the things that kind of stay the same. So like maybe the alternative to you, like with all of the crazy change and new things that are happening, what are the things that have not changed over your entire career kind of in strategy? Like what are the core things you're still working with clients on? Oh my God. It always comes back to the way people behave, the mm -hmm. way they operate. Okay. So we're talking about employees. Well, what do employees want? They want it not to be confusing. They want it to be efficient. They want to be able to get their work done. Yeah. They don't want to have six logins, five different to-do lists, and a constant series of service now ticket escalations. Who wants that? <laughs> Who wants yeah. that? Not okay. me. Yes. So, you know, in the in the, you know, and so the only people who are really accountable to that kind of quotient are e-commerce retailers because mm. they live and die every day by whether or not 
people are actually able to do the thing they want to do. And yeah, right. do the thing that the company needs you to do to get paid. Yeah. So they're constantly testing, constantly revising, constantly trying to remove friction, remove barrier. Oh, yeah. Create positive ways of doing things. Everything else that's a digital platform and a digital system, never designed that way. I remember working with a large telecom. Clearly, everyone in the company is an engineer of some sorts. Everything they built for their partners, wholesalers, uh, employees, it's an engineer's dream. Yeah, It's out of the box, no features, no customization. Everyone hates it. And my favorite thing was like, I go, <laughs> how, do you, how do you know, how do you know, like, what it is to do good? Like, what is the image? Like, what is it that is success? He's like, when the executive assistant to the CEO no longer calls us directly, mm, yeah, they can't approve his expense report. And no. it's like, look, it's not good if that can't happen. So the idea of what's good enough has revised back towards where uh, you have to make it work the way it needs to work for the people to be able to do their job. Yeah. I mean, that really is what it comes down to, Barry. So a lot of what we do, it's like, look, we, you know, you're working with a pharmaceutical company and they're trying to do this very expensive cancer treatment and involves seven steps and three countries and it's exorbitantly expensive and what you first realize is hey none of you have actually been in the same room and talked to each other about how convoluted this process is you just built it and no one ever went back and said this is really dumb Mm -hmm. because no one was empowered to do that no one had the authority to do that so these moments are where like okay you finally let someone in and that takes a lot of trust and we actually talked to everybody and we actually depict to you, this is what actually happens. And everyone's like, oh, well, that's that's not great. Yeah. And it's like, great. Lucky for you, you're all part of how we're going to like rebuild this thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then suddenly you're 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 like you're on to something and you can feel it in the room. People are like, finally. OK. All right. Here's OK. Yeah. yeah. And like yeah. and you're going to you're going to orchestrate us. You're going to help us because we don't yeah. actually like each other. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you like, stop talking about tech and systems, and you start talking about their feelings. It's like oh, it's like a, it's like yeah. it's like it's like rug time in kindergarten. Yeah, Phil. yeah. It's hard. It's hard to know what it's like until you're there with like very yeah. highly qualified, educated, well paid people. Mm. Yeah, mm. yeah. Well, luckily we're uh, none of those three things. So yes. On that note. <laughs> <laughs> all right oh man this is great i don't know if we 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 could probably keep going and going and going but it's also friday and uh my beer is already warming up so <laughs> i feel like maybe barry what do you think we pivot to the steel yeah i think we can pivot to the steel yeah absolutely i mean right. phil what do you want me to go first or you or you to go first here? well i talked first so that you could go first so i'm gonna i'm gonna steal the steel thunder and uh, ask you, of all the things Todd talked about and all the conversation topics that we covered, what are you going to steal for future use? Yeah, well, I I think that Todd gave us basically a T-shirt, one of the, one of the many T-shirts that we keep saying that we're going to have to make here if we ever point. get in the merch business for our, right. our, you know, our juggernaut podcast here, What Bubbles Up. It's going to be fear versus ambition will be on the chest right yeah, and i think right. that that i think that is a really really interesting fundamental truth um that 
I am going to definitely steal. Like I, I'm going to think about that when I'm in a conversation with people I'm trying to hire. I'm going to think about that when I'm in a conversation with clients who are trying to figure out how to convince their boss to do something that they know is really important. I'm going to think about that. Frankly, when I sort of like try to figure out how to prioritize my own day, I think that that's mm. really, really important. I, I I think it's good to kind of recognize, like, are there things that I'm doing because I'm worried about what other people are going to think and that kind of stuff? Or are there things that I'm doing because this is actually making progress on some larger goal that I really have that I know is going to be the kind of thing that at the end of the year, I'm going to look back and be really proud about or really feel like that I've made kind of a difference. Um it's important to understand also yeah. the neutrality of those two things. Mm. What makes them definitive is that they're motivators. Yeah. They're the things that actually provoke action and yeah. people working with us. If someone were content, that's actually a great state to be in. Mm. It yeah. does not motivate doing something about it. It's where like, I got to do something. Yeah. yeah. That's why they're important for understanding. Uh, I agree. I agree. You do. I, I mean, that's part, I mean, it's sort of, I, I love the side of the business that we're in right now, you know, Todd, on this on the digital side compared to the advertising business that you and I both used to be in. Yeah. Because I really do think that in the advertising business, I was very, very focused on trying to change someone's opinion. Hmm. And in this very business, I'm very, very focused on on changing what they do. I kind of don't care what they think. Mm -hmm. something, that's a that's a little flippant. I'm just trying to make a point. I do care, yeah. but but honestly, what I'm measuring. And what I optimize and what I think about is behavior. And I find when I think when I actually focus on that as opposed to opinion, it actually makes a lot of choices a lot simpler about what the right thing to do is. And often the right thing to do is a very simple sort of solution to solve a problem. But uh yeah, I like that. So like how do you how do you sort of drive if someone's motivated by fear, what is the behavior? If someone's motivated by ambition, what's behavior? I think that's interesting. Yeah. Phil, what are you gonna steal? Gosh, uh, I am uh, a lover of aphorisms, if ever there was one. So that's a good one right there. I'm going to steal the other one, too, though, which is the what if versus the what is. I love dyads. I love that sort yes. of juxtaposition of seemingly competing concepts and, you know, in conflict with with one another. But you got to do both. Right. I think that's what strategy is all about. You got to imagine the future. You got to work backward and do what you can right now, right now to start marching forward. That's the what if versus what is. Jeff Bezos has this, uh, you know, his methodology is working backward, right? We used to do these exercises yeah. like visual visions. Yeah. Remember that? We do the like the magazine cover, you know, and write the article of uh, you know, the success we built together. There's all sorts of ways of imagining it. But getting there and taking that first step is almost as, if not more important than establishing the destination. Yeah. And, and especially when you have all these things at your disposal, right? You could mm -hmm. do any number of things. Choose one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Place a bet. And strategy is all about placing the right bets at the right time in the right places. People in the service industry have a poor habit of not effectively owning up to what what is what is their part that is uh, authentically right to be um, accounted for. I've yeah. had to explain to people I work with that I also report to a boss who also counts my revenue, who also has KPIs for me. So I'm not in a position to argue over whose KPIs are worth mm -hmm. more. Mm -hmm. We all live in this world. So yep. I think 
the thing that Phil and I were talking about is this issue of where do you where do you develop a persona of yourself that's like a certain kind of asserted authority where it's like I'm not here to be intimidated. It's it's really like a very neutral position of like I also have my investments, I also have my accountabilities. So mm. how are we going to negotiate ourselves to some sort of mutual agreement or not? Yeah. But yeah. it's not like you're going to like browbeat me or somehow like you know intimidate me into some sort of thing. It's like mm, no. No, yeah, I yeah. don't think so. <laughs> right. Well, the, right, right, the right. value of your strategy is truth. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, like you, you really are yeah. there to sort of help people make choices, and you're and and part of that is about is about speaking plainly and and having truth. But I I think you can kind of do that in a respectful way. I love the way that you just described that. I think that that's well. I also kind of see that as being just an honest broker. Like, yeah. Right. We're in we're in the this podcast is about ideas. We're in the yep. business of ideas. And how do you broker the, those ideas, ideas through truth, through honesty, through people, through anthropology and sociology supported by technology? That's where mm-hmm. truth lies. People yep. plus technology plus, plus process equals the path forward. Yeah, That'll always be true. That will remain the same no matter if the bots come and take our jobs or not. <laughs> yeah. So, ah. I don't I don't think the bots are coming to take our jobs. You want to hear my <laughs> new theory on this? <laughs> we've gone way off. We've gone way off topic. I have decided, Phil, yeah. that what is happening with generative AI is we are all beginning gonna become Rick Rubin. So Rick Rubin, for yes. everybody, everybody should know. We're yes. all gonna become Rick Rubin. Rick yes. Rubin with the crazy hair I know it and the I no shoes. It. I know I am the yeah. tastemaker. <laughs> He's a it's, Rick Rubin cannot play an instrument, as I understand no. it. He no, cannot no. sing. Nope. He 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 can't he, he doesn't have like a perfect ear. No. Nope. But what he does is he helps people make decisions and he himself makes decisions and he's got an incredible sense of where to guide people and how to push people and so much great music has come out of the artists that he works with. Yeah. I kind of think that that's what AI and frankly like the kind of teams that we're going to work with that are essentially going to pair up with AI yep need from us they need yep. people to act like Rick Rubin and to kind of help coach and guide and it's not about being the best guitar player or in our case maybe the best sort of like um mm-hmm. even to some degree like perfect visual designer anymore i think it's going to be about choices and it's yep. going to be about intelligence and kind of figuring out how to like give coaching either to AI or to teams to kind of yield the best results or how to make choices between a bunch of really interesting possibilities. So we are all going to become Rick Rubin. I'm not sure what that means, but I'm going to start growing my hair immediately. Todd, your thoughts. Uh, (laughs) I think what we're going to see is just a literal flood of some of the strangest outputs. If there's any indication of that guy who tried to smoke a judge in court by presenting case law that didn't exist because his AI hallucinated about <laughs> fake cases. <laughs> but chat GPT could could yeah. fake his filing. I'm yeah. like, we're going to see in our sphere, literal uh, Adobe marketing cloud CMS enablements that output like little videos and ads and bumpers that were like, what was that? That was the strangest thing I ever yeah. saw. People, I yeah. think Three it was literally like all fingers on one hand yep. stuff that were like, <laughs> I don't even understand what yeah. that was. It was in a language. It wasn't even a language. Uh, there will be a certain amount of run amok. Yeah. The fact that the machine can fill another machine 
it's like, but should it? Yeah. I don't know. Right. Just the fact it can. Yeah. But we will see some weird, some weird stuff. And then one of the things, like I have a friend who works for um, a very large packaged goods brand. Hmm. And I, he, you know, when we gather and he tells me war stories, he's an executive creative director. He's been in it a long time, right? I've known yeah. him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the and the crap they worry about, the stuff that they spend three months, yeah, obsessing over, with you know, test after test of a six second bumper. I'm like, dude, like, how do you guys like? How does this yeah? Happen? And make, so that's make sixty like, of them and run them. But, yeah, but mm-hmm. that's yeah. where I'm like, this is a pointless exercise. Yeah, this is actually not worth anybody's time. Like, yeah, I don't know how we got to this this reductive aspect of like let's torture six seconds of time to death. Yeah, <laughs> because like six seconds of anything is like kind of pointless. And so it it goes back to your issue, Barry, of like, so where should we be spending our time? Because that's probably not it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, if I may, Barry, just yes. to, just to put a fine point on your theorem. In a world full of more and more rappers, mm. be a DJ. Ah, okay. See, Phil won't ever yeah. let me have the music reference. He always has to whip out the saxophone and start like sort of coming out. It's like upping my music reference. That's how this goes, Todd. Just so you like know. Okay. Yeah. Well, Rick Rubin. Well, yeah. I love the Rick Rubin reference. Yeah. And what he did with Jay Z on Magna Carta Holy Grail was yeah. nothing less than save the poor guy. And yeah. I had yeah. to look through that because we were like, part of that launch so yeah. that was another part of my life that i lived and i kept saying like god rick i hope you i hope you can i hope you can pull it off i hope you and swizz can <laughs> yeah i think he's done happen. okay that's my I take he's, he's done good he's done fine it's good I to think, have talented yeah. friends who are like we got this we got yeah this. yeah it's like what they said when kobe graduated uh, went to the nba without a college degree what is he going to do without a college degree like yeah. what, what, what kind of would he do? He no, the yeah. better question is what would he do with a college degree? Yeah, yeah. well, exactly. The NBA. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Barry, what do you say? You take us home? Huh? Yeah, I think we, we got. I have I for one have enjoyed all my many, many six seconds with the both of you. That's all I have to say to that. There you go. But yeah, so like friends of a uh, of uh, what bubbles up. Thank you for listening once again to another great podcast, and we just want to. Remind everybody to like the podcast, to subscribe if this is your first time listening, to shout from the rooftops and get more people, more of your friends to listen to What Bubbles Up. We are, of course, available on all the major podcast mediums, including Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, and many, many more. Or you can find any episode from the past four years, Phil, mm. of What Bubbles Up episodes by just simply going to whatbubblesup.com. Phil? Absolutely. If you want to get in touch with us, please feel free to do so by emailing us at whatbubblesup at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at whatbubblesup. Once again, thank you so much to Global Chief Strategy Officer at Wong Duty, Todd Rathbone. We will see you on the next episode of What Bubbles Up. Cheers. What Bubbles Up. What Bubbles Up. What feels bumping off my podcast.